It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point. Former Blue defenseman and uh, your midday host at 101 ESPN, uh, Mr. Jamie Rivers. Gentlemen, hockey is back, and I love every freaking second of it. There's yeah. a lot of seconds of it, too, man. Yeah, oh, like, dude. Almost two full games yesterday. It's crazy. Like, you know, we're doing the show midday over there, and all of a sudden, boom, we got the hockey game on. I'm, like, watching the hockey game. I'm not paying attention. I've been driving the bus over there for the show, and I'm like, oh, oh wait, <laughs> we got to go here. All right. <laughs> I it's exciting that. stuff, though. I noticed that. It's a, it's a little tougher when you're hosting, isn't it? You know you what I pay love? Attention it. a little bit. No, more. but I love it though. It's yeah. it's a little bit of an adrenaline rush. I'm not messing. I know that sounds weird, and you guys have been in this business for so long. You're probably numb to it at this point. But like when I was like doing the hosting thing, like the main guy, mm-hmm. like I love it. Like there's a lot of moving parts, and like that's what my life used to be. Is like things are happening fast, and you got to react. And if you make a bad decision, like yeah, they get run through the boards, or in this case, you sound like shit, right? right. So. I've enjoyed it. It was fun. I thought you sounded good. And to your point about constantly moving, we had Chris Kerber on the program this morning. Uh, and w- our first thought was a, a bunch of dudes that play hockey that all hole up in a hotel. It's got to be just so much fun. It's got to be so much fun. But about a week later, you've got to be bored out of your mind, man. <laughs> There's only so much ping pong you can play. There's so much Xbox or whatever. I can't imagine how crazy they're going. Well, the intensity is going up here, too. Right, guys? Like, if you look at the play-in games, like, how many fights have we had? Man, it was, there was some, like, from the get-go. Like, it's, yeah. It, it was, it's been awesome. yet to see one. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's been, like, five fights already. Really? I'm not even joking. And so what's going to happen here is it's going to get awkward around that bubble. Because talking to David Perron yesterday, he's like, yeah, I didn't really expect to see other teams as much as we are. And I guess the way the COVID testing is set up, uh, it's not just your team at a time. It's you're a player. You check in. You have your credentials. You get your COVID test and you're out the backside. Go have breakfast or whatever. Right. So he's like, I'm standing in line with like guys from other teams and just like Uh, right there. Seeing them around the ice machine down the in the elevator on the way down, whatever, like. He said it's it's going to get kind of weird around here. I wonder, does that help with the relationship on the ice with the other team, or does it make it worse? Well, in some cases, it'll make it easier because if you're playing ping pong with a guy and then, you know, you get rubbed out a little bit. <laughs> rubbed out. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> How about that? The, that kind of camp, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that might make him nicer. Now, yeah. um, but if you get hit into the boards by the guy, you may not be as angry about it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's It's weird. Like, back in my day. There would have been fights every night. Like after the game, it'd have been like, <laughs> "I'll see you at the buffet, Jack." Right, yeah. uh-huh. You know, like we're going. Yeah, I, I find that to be amazing. So, but as the teams lose, 
they're going home. So then maybe will that create a little bit more space so that maybe you're not running into the Dallas Stars if you're getting ready to play them or something along those lines. But maybe not the way that you're saying. I think it'll do both. You know, it'll create space, but then there's nobody else there. So it's going to be like automatically the only people you see as it starts to dwindle. When you get down to the Stanley Cup final, uh, there's only two teams in the bubble. Who are you going to see? Your teammates or the opposition? Now, at that point, will they separate and put one team in the hotel, the secondary hotel, and one in the primary hotel? I would imagine that's what they do. But there's only like three square blocks of what they're doing anyways that are inside this fencing. Which, by the way, have you guys seen the videos or the pictures of these? Yeah, I've seen a little bit. And Riz was kind of mentioning it, making it like uh, the barriers at festivals, like tall yeah. chain link fences with the with the material on the material, so you can't even see through them. The bus rolls up. From wherever they're going, like the rink, the gate like slides open. The bus goes in. The gate slides shut. They have 135 people that man the perimeter of this bubble along the fence line. Wow. 135 security to do that. Wow. It's incredible that they've created this. Well, but, you, but I mean, you know what? The, the, the best part about it. It's working. It's working. I, I mean, yeah. it's working. Yeah. You don't have this nightmare with the Cardinals oh and the Marlins and all of that sort of stuff that 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 that's going on. I, it's hard to imagine that baseball is having problems with those protocols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, grown men, don't high five, slap each other in the ass, or spit. Oh, yeah, and you, you can know? go. Uh, by the way, you're allowed to grab an Uber or a Lyft, and uh-huh. you can go over to the local restaurant and. What? what were they thinking, uh-huh. <laughs> dude? And plus two, man. Like, like if you give a twenty-five-year-old with a lot of money a little bit of rope, they're gonna take oh, that rope, sure. every bit of it in which that they can, man. Yeah. I just what I don't understand about the baseball thing, and I don't want to spend long talking about baseball. I don't understand outside of the owners making money why we're even trying to pretend that this is even somewhat of a season that right. baseball fans give a shit about. Donnie, like, that's, this is so dumb. That your answer. You already said the answer. Yeah, it's, it's the money. The, it's the TV contracts. They have minimum amount of games that these networks are supposed to cover in order to receive that money from the networks. So that's why 60 games, they're like, okay, we can't go lower than 60 games because if so, we are in violation of our contract. So well, the, there the you hidden, go. Oh, that's the first I've ever heard of that. Yeah, and then the wow. postseason, if they have a postseason, it's an extra eight or $900 million for the owners based on the TV rights that will be given to the teams that are in it. So, wow. yeah, it's, so it's about guys, the money. Huh? Follow the money. That's really weird. Uh, I heard that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, getting back to hockey, Barbashev has left the bubble uh, to deal with the baby. Yeah. But and, they knew all that was going to happen. Right, right, right. So, yeah, so the protocol here is, first of all, McEachern, I would assume, would go in for him, which I'm excited about. Well, he's going to get his shot. Yeah, exactly. going to get his shot. Now, and hopefully he knows that's his shot and he just goes out there oh, and I, he plays knows the it. way he knows he can and I know he can. He knows it. Like, he knows, like, if he doesn't perform, like, your boy, Clem Costin, is sitting right there. Yeah. And the Blues, Craig Ruby, will not hesitate to to make a change. But uh, it also is not going to be, like, a one and done sure. for McEachern. It's not going to be so much pressure on this guy. Hey, let's be honest. He plays a fourth line, probably going to play seven or eight minutes a game. The world is not going to implode if Mackenzie McEachern doesn't have a good first period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So. I, I think that Craig Bruby, who likes to give the guys confidence, I think he's going to give them a pretty good amount of leash. I think that's exactly what he, what they need because last time we were in here, you guys were talking about the fact that the Blues offense is get the puck in, first line of forwards go in and scoop up the puck and bring it back to the blue line, and he is that guy that will throw a shoulder, lift your stick, and get it back to the blue line. Yeah, I wish he was in the lineup at the same time as Barbashev. Yeah. <laughs> because Barbashev's one of those guys, too. What, he have like five hits the other night? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 
So it's going to be tough. We'll see. The one interesting thing I wanted to bring up with you guys, you know I dive into this hockey stuff. Like, I actually do know a little bit about hockey away from the station. Right. Uh, I've been doing a lot of video work with the program. And trying to. I've been trying to isolate what has been the biggest difference between the Blues last year in the Stanley Cup Final and where they're at right now. And everybody talks about, well, there's too many gaps. You know, we're just a little too slow to get to where we need to be in our systems. So I broke it down. I went down to like tenths of a second. And ordinarily it takes a player in the NHL when they get a puck on their stick about a tenth of a second to make a play. So you get it on your stick. You already know where it's going. Boom, it's off your stick. That's under pressure plays. So not your average every day, like regroup, take your time. No, this is under pressure, about a tenth of a second to make a play. In the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, the St. Louis Blues, as they were on the forecheck, every time they were in on the forecheck properly, there were about two-tenths of a second to close gaps on every play. That's about four-tenths of a second right now. And I know that sounds like, oh, my God, we're talking four-tenths of a second. It's two-tenths of a second difference, which means those players, if it only takes one-tenth of a second Wise to make a play, of time. we're a day late and a dollar short on where we're supposed to be. Wow. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. I didn't know we were supposed to prepare a project. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, did came, I came woefully unprepared. <laughs> I did a mobile of the galaxy, so don't do that. Okay. That's the only one I got. It's from well, but, but, back but, in the day. Logically, though, for real. It makes sense. Yeah. From, from an outside, that makes a complete ton yeah, of sense. So you're just giving the other team too much time too to much decide time. what to do. And it's not that they're giving them too much time. They're just not able to get there yet. So they're not in that game Why? shape. What's the problem? Well, uh, here's the thing. It's teams that just play run and gun, like, like the Avalanche and even the Oilers, like they're like, oh my God, these guys look fast. Yeah. They don't play that tight checking game. So those little tenths of a second don't really matter because they're just looking to kind of cheat. They take their chances and they readjust down the line in the defensive zone. The Blues' success comes from the forecheck, comes from the tight neutral zone, comes from a strong defensive zone, and they play that robust style of game. You know, the ground and pound, I call it. And mm-hmm. So right now, they're just it takes more time to get your body beat up into game shape than it does to just come out and skate. So imagine if we're skating at the wheel, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> we're back. Sure. Hazelwood, we're spinning back. wheels. Here spinning we go. Wheels. Yeah, Here spinning go. wheels. And you're skating around with nobody bumping into you. You're skating pretty easy, right? Now all of a sudden somebody gets in your way every second stride. That's a little harder. Your stop, start, stop, start. You're going to be tired way quicker skating around the ice that way. So right now the Blues, not that the opposition is doing that to them, but the way the Blues play is they throw themselves in front of the other players, which means they're stopping and starting themselves. So that kind of game shape needs to escalate for the so Blues. So should we be worried because this whole time you've been telling me one of the great things about Bruby is he always has his team ready. Or is it on them? Is it on him? Is it on them as an organization? And why are they not ready? Well, and, and Or is it just the friggin' circumstances in which that we're in after having this crazy hockey season and having to take five months off or whatever the hell it is. It's the time off, okay? And usually the guys, when they come back for a regular training camp, they're going three, four weeks ahead of time before it's even official to report. Then when they get to training camp, they have inter-squad games every single day. Then they have seven preseason games. So you see where I'm headed here, right? They have a lot lot of runway. Well, are are the other teams that play the style as the Blues struggling as well then? Um, You see my concern here, right? Not many teams play that way, though. That's the thing. Like the Minnesota Wild are trying to adopt that style, and they kind of got their asses handed to them. Last night they looked a little slow, a little late to the dance in certain uh, areas of the ice. But listen, the Blues, if I'm Craig Berube and I'm the leadership in that locker room, I'm going, you know what? 
we're going to use these three round-robin games, and we're just going to keep pounding teams. We're keep going to hit, like, 39 hits the other night. Let's see if we can match that and just keep to, And you will force your body. You will activate your body into game shape by default just by playing that way. If you shy away from it, then you'll never be able to just pull, like, flip the switch. Right. So the, the point is here is to just drive your body into the ground. The body's an incredible thing, especially when you're actually used to playing it that way. It'll respond. So by the time the first round of the playoffs come, I think the Blues will be ready to go. You just got to build up your calluses is what you're saying. Pretty, <laughs> right? Just, just right? like you. I, mean, yeah. I noticed a lot of calluses Yeah, for you. sorry about that. When I was shaking your hand. With all that lotion, you think you wouldn't have them. How about Jordan? <laughs> Jeez. We're not even at the end of the podcast yet, and you're going there. <laughs> How about Jordan Bennington the other night? He's incredible. I mean, that dude was all over the place and then some. Yeah. He had two periods to prepare for that. He played two periods against Chicago Blackhawks, and then he comes out with that Game 7 Stanley Cup performance. That's the only reason they were in the game. I, for, yes, absolutely like, come on. so. Like, we get pissed about the tenth of a second, the goal that goes in. Oh, my God, it looked like it was still... Are you kidding me? You should have been down by four. Right. So let, let's not go there, you know? And Craig Berube kind of said that. He's like, listen, we didn't deserve to win. So that goal, yeah, it's frustrating. But, like, come on. That's not the problem here. So what do you expect tomorrow night, then? Uh, well, they is play... It... So this is a good thing, okay? The Golden Knights play a very similar style. Not exactly, but... Similar. They have some players, let's put it that way, that play similarly to the Blues. Like Ryan Reeves is one of them. Mark Stone's another one. They've got some guys who crash and bang. So this is going to be a game that's probably tailor-made a little better for the Blues right now. And they'll get that body contact, that resistance all over the ice. So I think it's going to be great. I think you'll see a nice progression. And if you look at the Colorado game, first period was awful. Second period a little bit better. Third period was their best period. So what does that mean, Jeff? Means they're trending, they're trending upward. Up. Yeah, yeah. If that's it's the case, working. you know, let's keep going. Let's pick up where we left off and start the Vegas game. Hopefully, in a in a in a spot where we can continue to trend up. He's giving us pop quizzes during this I thing know, too. I don't get this well, stuff. he looked half asleep. So I was like, I'm going to throw <laughs> yeah. a quiz. It's like the teacher so. when you know some kid's not paying attention. Um, how long is Ruby signed for? I think he's got another two years. Two years. You think he's going to stick around after those two years? If we're lucky enough to hang on to him. Yeah, no, I totally want him to. I'm yeah. just saying, and I know I brought this up last year, and I bring it up all the – not all the time, but I have before. I think Steve Ott could be the heir apparent. Uh, just depending on what everybody wants to do, I could see that progression. He's still pretty new, though, in the process. Oh, he though. is. Sure. That's why yeah, I'm saying maybe is... in two years, maybe. I just want to keep seeing extension. his wife on Instagram. Thank I'm, you. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm I, saying yeah. it. I know it's horrible. I've, I've but... never noticed. Um <laughs> But uh, we had. Otter. I never noticed they recently had an anniversary and they were on the beach. <laughs> I noticed what they did during quarantine. Uh, anyways, time stamped. But uh, oops, sorry, screensaver. Anyways, uh, um, Steve, we had him on the show the yes. other day, and he was great with information. And yeah, to your point, Donnie. Look, when you're a former player, Baruby's a former player, Van Ryan's a former player, and some people will be like, "Oh, you don't have to have played." No, you don't, but it sure does help to be able to have said you've walked a mile in these players' shoes and you know what they're going through and you know how to help them. And Steve Ott is a great communicator with these guys, and he's a big, big, big help for Craig Berube. So at the end of these two years, I could see Steve Ott, not necessarily that he's the heir apparent here, but he could go somewhere else and begin his head coaching career like that. Otherwise, man, you're, you're suggesting that Barubi's out of here. No, no, I'm saying Jeff Barubi wants, wants to be. You know, I Did hate you hear Barubi. that, Donnie. Duh, of course, I do. <laughs> he literally just said that. 
I would say it to Baruby's <laughs> brother's face. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I, no, I wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. Uh, no. no. Baruby's uh, mom? No, no that family's not. pretty tough. Yeah. Dude, I remember, and this is not a – I remember once I was at a Blackhawks game in Chicago, Blackhawks and Oilers. I was with our friend Tim Virgin, and we were sitting in front of the box – that had Chris Chelios's family in it. Oh God, yeah. Mm. Whoa, buddy! I ain't messing with nobody no. in that family. Like, <laughs> oh, that the Greek family. Yeah, they're they're hardcore. Dude, that looked like a bunch of like, let's have a couple of beers and just start whooping ass for fun. I heard that. I, I heard that about Twist's mom too. Like, Twist's mom was like a professional boxer or something. Am I making that uh, up? That's, you're, you're making that up, but I like it. We can roll. <laughs> no, uh, so that's not true. No, that's not true. Really? His dad was a RCMP cop though, up in Canada. Like. Back in the day, which think about police officers back in the day. Oh, that no, were okay. tough dudes, right? Like they wouldn't arrest people. They'd take their stuff off, put it on the ground, and they'd have a street fight with them to set the tone. And so Twister's dad was tough as nails. Maybe I was just thinking that. But oh God, it, all well, these years was, I thought his mom was a boxer. No, no, no. What, what? Listen, she is tough as nails, too. Like to raise a kid like Tony and to try to keep him straight his whole life. Right, like, yeah, yeah. trust me, she's hardcore. Uh, his dad, Stan, is, you know, he's the guy, the former cop. And so, yeah, he's got a tough, tough family. I want to go back to what we were talking about a little bit before when you were talking about, you know, players as coaches and, and that sort of thing. When you have a person that is that has not played the game, how does somebody like that go about building trust? And building that relationship with players, when it, it you know when when you're taking advice from Craig Ruby, you go, all right, well, there's a dude that's been there. Mm-hmm. But when you're taking it from somebody else that that hasn't, I, I, I just wonder how you gain the respect of the player that way. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard, Donnie. And it, you look around the league, there's not a ton of guys that are coaching that never played the game, and so what those guys have to do is they have to work twice as hard. They have to be at the rink at like 6.30 in the morning and grab guys every day and work on something on the ice and then find a video clip that you know this player needs help with and then dive into it and gain his trust through video, through working on the ice, through other stuff. You have to go overboard, above and beyond. Finally, it clicks for the guys where something on the ice will happen. You'll have worked with this coach, and then you've done it right and either scored a goal or prevented a goal, and you're like, oh, that guy knows his his crap, you know? Is it is it the same? Is it sorry? Is no, it no, the no. same thing? If even if you are like, for instance, you're a former player, you did not fill the the net with pucks in your career. Whoa, you've obviously never seen practice, right? That's true. <laughs> but if you were a coach to somebody who is a thirty goal scorer, a forty mm-hmm. goal scorer a year, is it the is it the same way? You know what I'm saying? A little bit now, like, like I always think of a uh, a hitting coach talking to Albert Pujols or something to that effect. Like, yeah. what do they have to offer? Well, well, and I also wonder too, and this I think goes into that. You know, like Tony Larusa was an amazing manager who hit two ten for his career, right? Yeah. You know, and there's been some great managers that that didn't have great playing careers, and so I also wonder about that too. How are you able to put the X's and O's together for other folks, but maybe not yourself? Yeah, look at. You guys know I work with a ton of guys in the off season. You know I work with both Kachuk brothers, mm-hmm. uh, all the guys who come through here. A lot of the Blues players in the off season come in, and we work on things. And a lot of it is goal scoring. And to your point of, you know, I think I had 17 career NHL goals. It doesn't mean I don't know how to do it. It just wasn't my job, and I didn't do it. And now I did have the Great point. I did have the great fortune of playing with some of the best goal scorers. And and this is kind of funny, but true. You'll see my point here. When you don't play as much as Al McInnes does, 
You spend a lot of time on the bench, and you notice a lot on the ice. You see how guys get open. You see why they're scoring goals. You're watching video twice as much because if you screw up, you're out of the game, right? right. So I'm watching everybody's tendencies, especially on other teams too. So if I get on the ice against Yager, I have to know his tendencies so that I don't screw up and I don't get benched. So by doing that process of elimination, I'm learning how the greatest players in the game are successful, so now I can teach that. What is the biggest name that you played against that you did well against them? Uh, Sidney Crosby. Never heard of him. Yeah. He's a big guy? <laughs> well, look, I did well against Gretzky. Uh, uh, Crosby uh, historically does not do well against the Blues, as a matter of fact. Correct? I started that. Did you really? Yeah. Because I remember when I, he— I broke his spirit, and that's it. I remember <laughs> I remember there was a time when he was pointless against the Blues in his career yeah, he did or go, something to that, to that he effect. He did go quite a while. Look, obviously back in the beginning of my career, we had Lemieux and Gretzky um, and Yager. I had some really good games against those guys. But the one that I remember the most is being two things, two times. One was I was with the Islanders, uh, myself and Eric Cairns, big lumbering defenseman. We were tasked with playing against Yager's line in Pittsburgh, and we shut him down. And then we were tasked with playing against Lindros, Legion of Doom. Oh, boy. And we shut those guys down. And then later on, at the end of my career, I was here, and Eric Brewer and myself were partnered up to play against Sidney Crosby's line. And we shut him down in Pittsburgh. He got no points. We won the game like two to one. So I remember those things. And actually, there's a picture on Google somewhere where I'm slashing Crosby across the arms. And then I'm sure that might have had something to do with it. <laughs> there will. I guess he seemed a bit tentative. I don't think he that. likes me. I don't know. Right. Donnie's got like a new uh, screensaver on his old on his laptop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so much for Mrs. Ott. Uh, Eric, Eric Brewer, the most maligned captain in the history of the Blues? Look, Eric Brewer was thrown to the wolves mm-hmm. on this one, okay? Everybody expected Chris Pronger back in that that deal. You can't do that to the guy, right? Like, he was a good, solid... Heck, he played for Team Canada. I think he played in the Olympics for Canada at one point. Like, this guy was a legit defenseman. He wasn't Chris Pronger. And he really, in my opinion, he wasn't captain material. Not because what he did. He led on the ice. He led in practice. But he was really kind of quiet to himself and, you know, wasn't really a guy that got in the mix in the locker room and that. So, to me, it was it was a missed opportunity to maybe give somebody else to see at that point. Like, mm-hmm. we had, heck, I think we had Kachuk. I think we had Dougie Waite and, you know, other guys like that that could have easily threw that thing on and, and led the team. And Brewer would have been an amazing assistant captain. But because they did it the way they chose to – he ends up being one of those guys where people like still like to beat up on Eric. Oh my Brewer. god! Yeah, I, and it I, irritates the shit out of me yeah. at this no. point too. It's like kind it's kind of been, unfair. I remember seeing the uh, there was a poster of some sort that the Blues put out a couple of years ago that had all of the captains on it, and I, I and I remember people going, "Oh, they put Eric Brewer on there." <laughs> I just yeah, he was one of the captains, and, and that's and we've talked about this before. And I think the last guy that really got it here was was Patrick Berglund, deserved or, or not. Right. But it feels like there are those people that that are just not liked. And once they're not, I mean, they are just the constant whipping it. boy. And that was what, what Brewer's thing was here, too. In and it St. was such Louis, a weird time, too. In St. Louis, if you're quiet and you just go about your business and you're not like a real rough-and-tumble guy, you're done. Like, you're done. You're either, you've got to score 40 or 50 goals— or you've got to hit everything that moves, or you've got to fight once every four games. Yeah. St. Louis loves their blue-collar players. And although Brewer played a blue-collar style game, it was a very quiet 
blue collar game. Patrick Berglund, very quiet for a six foot four guy. If you look at his stats, guys, he had twenty goals. I don't know how many times. Like right. this guy could play hockey. Now was he as great as everybody thought he was going to be? Maybe he'll he fell short there. But watching him play, people get frustrated because he's six four. Why didn't he run that guy over? Right. Why didn't he block that shot? Why didn't he rip that guy's head off? Well, you're not getting that. And so here in St. Louis, in particular, you guys, you fans, which is awesome because you hold guys accountable. You fans expect more blue collar from guys. One, one more Eric Brewer question because I know that's what we're all here for. Uh, when, <laughs> when, uh, when, uh, Clearly, when when a guy like that has is perceived by the fans to just catch a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. One, do they hear that? And two, does it reflect how they view the city after they leave? Both 100%. Yes, they do hear that. Anybody who tells you, well, I don't listen to the media. I don't read it. Bullshit. Bullshit. Even when I was like playing crappy, I always want to take a peek. What are they saying about me? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it gets to you and you start to play a different way and you're more aware of things in practice and it's not in a good way. You start to grip the stick Take a, a little chance tighter. when you shouldn't. Yeah. Whatever, right? Or you don't make that pass because you're like, well, screw it. I'm going to just throw it off the glass here. And then I know that I won't get yelled at for that, you know? And then, yeah, it does affect guys' relationships. They get to a city and they can't walk down the street without being pestered or somebody's writing something, especially these days on social media and stuff. I'd be like, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge, man. Screw yeah. that city. All I can think of when you said throw it out the glasses when you were in Detroit. You sat on the bench and Hall's like, <laughs> we don't dump it in here. <laughs> what Look up doing? and down the bench. <laughs> can you wrong? read the last names on the back of the jersey? It's literally what he say. Yeah. We don't dump the puck in Detroit. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I Sorry, so. I, I thought Basson was still on the on the bench with me. <laughs> and then he got backed up by Stevie Eiserman. Uh, yeah, Rivs, uh, nobody's going to get it. We don't, uh, we don't do yeah. that around here, son. You're you're here for a reason. Real, uh, real, real quick, look to, up in the raft. You're real supposed quick. to be able to pass the puck. How, how many how many Hall of Famers were on the bench at that particular time in Detroit? Yeah, at that at that time we're talking about. So Hall, Eiserman, Chelios, Lidstrom, Lidstrom, Hashik, uh, Shanahan. Um, so we're up to half Datsuk. a dozen. Datsuk. Or da, well, Zetterberg and Datsuk were on the team to be determined if they'll get Hall Federov. of Fame. No, we didn't have Fedorov. Um, trying to think, we had Thomas Holmstrom. No, Darian Hatcher. He's not a Hall of Famer. Still what? pretty good. Matthew Schneider, pretty good player. Yeah, jeez. Uh, uh, Jamie Rivers, right? <laughs> Gordy Howe, Sudbury <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. <laughs> High school Hall of Fame. The Cottleville Hall of Fame. Yeah, Man, I got, I got, I got so bummed out the other day. I found this this big stack from when I was a kid of minor league hockey cards. And I think that they were somewhere in your era where you could have been in there. Uh-oh. And, man, I was dude, I was shuffling through like 150 of these things going, I have no idea who these guys are, but if I could find one goddamn Jamie Rivers oh, to bring it to the podcast. Just look for the mullet. That would look be... for the mullet. Oh, it wasn't just and the, the dog collar. Oh, the dog collar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The dog collar. I was a rock star playing <laughs> hockey. Hey. At least that's what I thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You do. Yeah, for sure. I, I, had, I was on your coattails there for a while. I saw some rock star stuff. You know you're a rock star when your hangers on, your friends, are at Mississippi Nights with you, and they end their bottle of beer, and Jamie's behind them at the bar, and they don't stop their conversation and just go like this. Just just wave their empty beer bottle in the air like, give me another one. I will never forget seeing that in Mississippi Nights. And I was so bummed for you because Dude. Was, there was dudes just, just, he's got all the money. Let's go hang with him, man. Uh, just That just bummed me that, out. That, that 
is when you see Donnie getting into an argument. Oh, because I, yeah. that is bullshit. Yeah, and I would was. never yeah, let but, that happen. But Jeff, I was riding in his limo that night. So. Jeff, <laughs> I forgive you. I forgive you for waving your beard. <laughs> it certainly was not me, man. Hey, everybody. Certainly. Thank you very much, as always, for listening to the program today or for the podcast. Uh, as always, share with your friends. Tell everybody that we're out there. And uh, we will be doing these uh, as much as we can. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Give us a listen. Give us a share. And as always, Let's go blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.